comes from the Old Testament book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me. And I share with you that over the next few Sundays during the season of Lent, we're going to be looking at Daniel, Daniel chapters 1 through 6. Uh, we'll be learning lessons from him throughout the season. And so we encourage you to kind of spend a little time wrestling with Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, we'll begin at verse 8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the royal rations of food and wine. So he asked the palace master to allow him not to defile himself. Now God allowed Daniel to receive favor and compassion from the palace master. The palace master said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king. He has appointed your food and your drink. If he should see you in poorer condition than the other young men of your own age, you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel asked the guard whom the palace master had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. You can then compare our appearance with the appearance of the young men who eat the royal rations and deal with your servants according to what you observe. So he agreed to this proposal and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was observed that they appeared better and fatter than all the young men who had been eating the royal rations. So the guard continued to withdraw their royal rations and the wine and that they were given to drink and gave them vegetables. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and skill in every aspect of literature and wisdom. Daniel also had the insight into visions and dreams. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There are some worlds and some events that are just hard for us to get our head around, to get our arms around, to be able to figure out, to be able to relate to it. Daniel's world is one of those worlds that's hard for us to be able to imagine. And our culture compared to Daniel's culture, it's night and day. Our lives compared to his life, no comparison. So it's hard for us to, to really grasp what Daniel was feeling. You might remember as you read the Old Testament, studied the Old Testament, that, that the Babylonian Empire comes and conquers Jerusalem, comes and conquers the kingdom of Israel and Judah, and, and that many of the people are taken and, and taken out into captivity. They're taken into the various lands. They're divided up. They're, the goal is, is to separate these people of God, the covenant people, so that we can break their spirits. We'll be able to control them that way. Daniel has been able to witness then the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple of God, and they took some of the vessels and elements out of the house of God into the king's court, the foreign king. 
The king also decided that he wanted some young men, some young, healthy, good-looking men, men without a blemish, men that, that appeared to be able to learn. He wanted some young men to be brought aside, to be trained and to be led in, in the literature of Babylon and to be able then to serve the king. And Daniel and his three friends, whom the king will change the name to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to be part of that group of men that will serve him. So Daniel's led out into this homeland. It's, it's different than anything else that he had ever experienced. Different than anything he had experienced as the people of God. I mean, in this new land, in this new pagan land where he found himself, well, the king had harems. And Daniel was right there in the midst of all of this. And there were pagan rituals that violated his faith. They would have drunken parties at the king's palace with all kinds of sexual promiscuity following that. And, and the forms of punishment. Wow. I mean, fiery furnaces. Who would think of that? Or a den of lions. Who would come up with that? But that's where Daniel found themselves. And the Jews, the Jews became the persecuted minority. The Jews became the group that this Babylonian empire was determined to squelch. They wanted their faith removed. They wanted them silenced in, in, in whatever way was needed. They needed to be eliminated. So their holy scriptures, their, their holy books and writings, they were burned. Can you imagine Foods that we read in the Old Testament that are considered unclean were forced upon them. They were forced to eat these foods and worship. Worship was illegal. Even in your own home, it was illegal to worship this God. I mean, most of us, we, we can't really comprehend what Daniel was feeling to have been you know, conquered by this foreign government, led to a new land, forced to serve the king. How in the world can you be faithful in such an unfaithful world? That's the challenge. Well, Daniel being one of the young men that was picked, needed to be fattened up and educated. But, but Daniel knew some of the food that they were being forced to eat were not foods that, that were allowed by the law and are not allowed by the custom. And, and I love the scripture in verse chapter 1, verse 8, where Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. Daniel made a decision. Daniel made a commitment. I will not defile myself. Now, we're not really told what it was about the food that was a problem for Daniel. I mean... Maybe, maybe it was the fact that, you know, in the Jewish law, you couldn't eat pork. So maybe what was happening is they were being served pork. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I have a hard time relating to that because I'm one of the guys that, you know, sometimes on a weekend likes to pull out the smoker. And, you know, and you start early in the morning because it's going to take all day. And, 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 you know, you slow cook and you put a, a nice pork butt on there or, or some ribs, you know, the kind that the bone just falls off. Of. Are you getting hungry yet? I mean, the smoke, the smell of, of, of the barbecue as it's, as it's cooking or a nice tenderloin. Maybe part of the issue was they sit down to eat and right in front of them is a pork chop. They're a faithful Jew. They... They couldn't do that. I will not defile myself. 
Maybe there were other things. We, we don't really know. There were spiritual disciplines upon what they eat, but, but we're not meant to really get so hung up on why Daniel could and couldn't eat. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is he resolved that he wouldn't defile himself. Joyce Baldwin, a scholar who deals with the scripture, said actually it had nothing to do with the food laws. It, it was more about his identity. That Daniel didn't want to give in just because he was in this alien culture or this foreign land. Daniel didn't want to give in and forget who he was. He didn't want to give up his identity as one of the people of God, as a descendant of Abraham, as part of the Jewish community of faith. And, and even though he had been brought out, he still wanted to maintain his identity to be faithful in this unfaithful world. But that's not always easy. But Daniel convinced the palace master and and so Daniel did not have to defile himself with the other food. And we're told at the end of the 10-day trial, well, they looked fatter and healthier than all the others. By the end, if you keep reading, the king actually found them 10 times better than everybody else. Being faithful in an unfaithful world. So how do we... How do we make the jump to the church today and our world today? Because we don't really compare to Daniel. I mean, let's be honest. It's, it's difficult in our world today, but it, it's nothing compared to Daniel. I doubt very many of you got up this morning and had the serious talk with your family and said, okay, we just need to be clear about this. We're going to go to church today. But if we get caught, we could end up in the fiery furnace. I mean, you probably didn't think about that. You probably didn't have that conversation with your family today because that's not something we deal with today. So even though we deal with some difficult times today, it's nothing compared to what Daniel dealt with. And we, we have to be honest and admit that, 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 that what we deal with and what Daniel dealt with were two different things. But here's the thing. If Daniel could be faithful in that unfaithful world, then what does that teach us about how to be faithful in our world today? What does it mean for us to be faithful in our world today? Our culture, it's changing. You know, some people actually refer to the era in which we live today as the post-Christian era. You know, we're beyond Christianity now. It's amazing to hear that. I, I was sharing with some folks earlier this morning. I had the news on, and, and somehow I guess I'd missed it throughout the week. But, but you know, the, the Super Bowl occurred, and... And the MVP of the Super Bowl, you know, the, the quarterback that, that won the MVP, he actually, as, as they were interviewing him, gave thanks to God and acknowledged his faith in Jesus Christ. So did the coach. Tony Dungy, whom I've had the privilege actually of meeting before, and Tony Dungy, one of the commentators, was actually, you know, so impressed by what happened that he made a comment on the air about this young quarterback acknowledging his faith and not being ashamed to share who he was. It's been amazing to hear how much mail and critique Tony Dungy has received because he would dare mention Christianity on the air. Amazing. How, where are we? I mean, how did, how did we get to this point? I mean, we, we often talk about we were created and this nation created on Judeo-Christian values, but are we post-Christian now? Or do we need to resolve, like Daniel, that we will be faithful? 
faithful even in an unchristian world. I think one of the things that Daniel teaches us is that our, our faith, our identity is more about, not about simply what we believe, but it's who we are. Our relationship with God is part of our identity. That, that our faith is, is more than the fact that we just come to church and we worship and, and maybe for some extra credit we go to a Bible study, a small group or something like that. But it's more than that. It's our identity. It's our being. It's our essence. It's the foundation of our lives. It's the foundation of our homes and our families. It's, it's what we try to teach our family. We just, we just stood here together and, and share with a family with a child. I'll raise my child in the Christian faith, the Christian life, the Christian home. It's our being. It's our, it's our essence. It's who we are. It's what we believe. It's our identity. Being a Christian is who I am. It's not simply what I do. It's who I am. The other night, last weekend I think it was, actually I picked up the remote and I was kind of flipping around trying to see, you know, if there was something to be able to watch. And, and then I hit the DVR button to see what was going to be recording during the week. And, and man, I was distraught because none of the shows we normally watch were going to be played this past week. None of them. I don't know if it had to do with the Olympics or what it was, but none of the things that I normally watch during the week were going to be recording. And, and, and it was a crisis situation for us. And I was thankful that we were training 10 new Stephen ministers because I thought I may need one of them. There's nothing to watch. Nothing to watch. And so as I'm flicking the channel around, we saw Lion King. And my wife said, there's the Lion King. You can watch the Lion King. Now I'm going to tell you, one of the nice things about having kids is you have a reason to watch those kind of movies. It's always nice to have a little one around because you, ha you have an excuse for why you want to watch them. I love those kind of movies. My family knows, and, and they know what's, you know, they can probably tell you what's getting ready to come is, you know, one of my favorite movies, Fox and the Hound. Why? Because I love when the little dog goes, I'm a hound dog. I just think that's the cutest thing. But the Lion King's pretty cool, too. You know, the story of the Lion King. And, and so this is a spoiler alert because somebody at the 815 service said, man, I had not seen the end of it and you ruined it. But, but the Lion King is a story about Mufasa, who's this, the king of the jungle. He's this great lion and he has a new lion cub by the name of Simba. And, but, but there is a problem because he also has an evil brother by the name of Scar. And so you get this, this, the, this battle going on between good and evil. And Scar ends up getting his brother Mufasa killed. And, and then Simba, he tries to kill Simba as well, but Simba's able to escape. And, and so Simba goes away and, and kind of forgets who he is. I mean, he meets some really cool friends, Timon and Pumbaa. They're awesome friends. But this little lion who's meant to be the king of the jungle pretty soon is eating grub worms and bugs, even the cream-filled kind. That's not really what a lion's supposed to do and to be. But under Scar, this evil brother, pretty soon there's chaos in the land. Famine hits. There's nothing to eat. And, and everything is pretty rough. And, and they, they find out that, that Simba may be alive. They try to communicate. And, and, and pretty soon this baboon by the name of Rafiki encounters Simba, this young lion. And Simba looks at this, this baboon who's singing this song over and over and says, 
Who are you? And Rafiki responds, Who are you? That is the question. You don't even know who you are. I know who you are. You are Bufasa's boy. And Simba, this, this young lion, he, he goes, you know my father? And they have this conversation. And, and, and all of a sudden, then there's this vision where Simba is able to see his father, Mufasa, the great lion king. And Mufasa says to Simba, Simba, you have forgotten me. And Simba goes, no, how could I? And Mufasa said, when you forgot who you were, you forgot me. Remember who you are. You are more than you have become. Remember who you are. I remember when I saw that the first time, and it was one of those where you want to back that up and play that section again because it hit me is, is that what God looks at us and says to us, you have forgotten me, and we will go, no, how could I? And God says, when you forgot who you are, then you forgot me. When you forgot who you are, you forgot me. You're, you're more than you have become. Remember who you are. See, Daniel resolved that, that he would not defile himself because he did not want to forget who he was as one of the covenant people of God. And my fear is that we as the church, trying to be faithful in an unfaithful world, we've kind of forgotten who we are. The church used to influence the culture. Now we kind of bow to the culture and let it influence us. When you've forgotten who you are, you've forgotten who I am. Daniel resolved that he wouldn't defile himself, that it was part of his identity. It was part of his integrity. I remember my father teaching us that, that your words should be your bond. That, that if you say you're going to do something for somebody, then you do it for them. And, and you put your name on whatever you're doing, and that should mean something. And, and, and whatever you do, and in business, as, as Christians, he taught us, you know, when you sit down and make the deal with someone, you be honest because you're a Christian, that's who you are. And, and, and there's no such thing as I'm, I'm a Christian on Sunday, but on Monday, business is business. He said, no, you, that's not the way it works. This is who you are. It's who you are. And as Christians, then, we have to kind of recognize and resolve like Daniel. We won't defile ourselves. The way we treat other people will be like a Christian treats other people. We're not going to, we're not going to get in little circles and talk about somebody else because that's not what we do. That's not who we are. It's not part of our being. It's not part of our essence. Being a Christian, it's who I am. It's not simply what I do. But our, our values and the values of the world are so different. Daniel, during his world... As I mentioned, the sexual promiscuity was rampant. In our culture today, it's, you know, the things just seem so outdated. I mean, you know, we talk about in the faith and that, that there's celibacy and singleness, fidelity and marriage. And people go, how quaint. That's, that's, come on, it's 2018. Oh, well, maybe the sanctity and the covenant of marriage has been challenged, but 
Does it have to be for us? Does it have to be for us? Uh, when I, we were serving one of my, my first churches, early church, I, I had served a church while I was in seminary up near Cherokee, and the church grew, and we were able to stay there for a year uh, full time. Great church right just outside the, the reservation there in Cherokee. Had a lot of folks from Cherokee that, that were part of our congregation and, uh, and community. And there was one lady, she was an elementary school teacher. Elementary school, you need to hang on to that. An elementary school teacher. And, and she was telling us that one day she was teaching her class. And I don't remember exactly what the, the story was that she was teaching, something in literature, I imagine. But she was teaching this class, and she said, all of a sudden, this, this child, an elementary school child, raised their hand and said, yeah, but, but that was back when adultery was a sin. You see, it's hard to be faithful in an unfaithful world because well, the world sees things differently than we do. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. I, I just wonder what would happen if we resolved that we too would be faithful. I wonder what that would look like in our world today if we resolved that we too would be faithful. If Daniel could do it in his day, surely I can pull it off in mine. It's not the same. But it's not easy. And, and we don't have the time, so don't worry. There's a scripture, chapter 2, verse 17 in particular. And, and in that verse, Daniel is now called before the king to interpret a vision. And you know what Daniel does? He goes to his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he asks them to pray for him. I need you to pray for me. So that I'll have wisdom and will receive God's grace so that I can do what I'm being called to do. You know, I just think maybe one of the keys to then for our faithfulness is that we lean on other people when we need them and ask them to help us be faithful. I, I need you to pray for me this week. I need, I need God's grace and wisdom. I, I'm going to need you guys if you would. To pray for me. Because see, we can lean on each other. I think that's why Martin Luther shared, as I've mentioned to you before, that there was no such thing as salvation outside of the church. And he wasn't meaning the church saved you at all. What he was meaning was, it's hard enough to be faithful with the support of the community of faith. But one-on-one -on -one out there, we just can't pull it off. We need each other. So Daniel, in his desire to be faithful in an unfaithful world, said... I need you to pray for me. I wonder what would happen if the church decided that rather than always being influenced by the world, that we, by God's grace, will seek to transform the world by being faithful in the midst of it. Wonder, just wonder what would happen. I think it may be worth a shot. Will you pray with me? God, it's not easy to be faithful. Especially in a culture that seems to be becoming more and more unchristian. And yet, you are our God, we are your people. That's the covenant made with Abraham 
fulfilled through Jesus. You're our God. We are your people. That's who we are. It's our identity. It's our essence. It's our being. And God, sometimes we are so willing to sacrifice our identity, to sacrifice our being, to sacrifice our essence and our relationship with you. But God, we pray that you would help us to resolve not to defile ourselves, but to be faithful to you even in the midst of an unfaithful world. So God, we pray for your grace. We pray for your strength. We pray for your mercy. That we may be together the people that you have called us to be. It's who we are. Reaching out into our world on behalf of and in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. with the hymn number 557, 557. Blessed be the tie that binds. Let us all stand together.